Since ancient times, women have been the epicenter of their villages and communities around the world, and as such, have been gathering in council to discuss topics relevant to them. Here, we are masterminding and exploring these topics in a modern way with entrepreneurs, speakers, coaches, and just overall good eggs, pun intended. This is The Council. Okay, everybody. So I know I say this every time that today's guest is a really special guest, but, and they are, they always are, but today is especially special. It is Elena Martella, who to all of you, you may know her as a multi Emmy winning news personality out of WLWT, the NBC affiliate in Cincinnati. She's a keynote speaker and a co-host of the Girls With Guts podcast. She also sits on the board of advisors and the Emerging Leaders Board for the Make-A-Wish Foundation's Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana branch, and is also a liaison between the two boards. These are positions she holds very dear and takes very seriously because she was once a Make-A-Wish patient. She wants to share with the world the importance of living life to the fullest and that life is a gift to be cherished because she once lost her own during a medical emergency. Elena believes in the power of manifestation and is a big proponent of the 369 method. She meditates often and trusts in the power of crystals. And yes, she is one of those astrology girls. In her leisure, Elena loves spending time with family and friends, being a spectator at sports games, practicing yoga, hiking, reading, and playing the violin. So that's who you guys, you all, you ladies, whoever's listening may know Elena as, but to me, if I go looking through my family photo albums, I think I could find and rummage up a couple of pictures that are really embarrassing of Elena and I when we were little kids because we did grow up together. Um, We were neighbors in the early parts of our childhood. And then we went to the same high schools and colleges where I also studied broadcast journalism, which is what she majored in. Um, So it's kind of funny. Our lives have crossed in um, many different ways. And today was just another one of those crossings. And it was a really excellent, just riveting conversation honestly her her medical emergency that she'll tell you about was just it was really a near-death experience and it was really really eye-opening to hear her firsthand account of that um and also just the topic of resilience for someone who has been in the industry of broadcast journalism and news and how competitive it really can be it's very interesting to hear um not just within the competition but being a public figure how that creates a really tough skin for someone and some really great tips of how we can utilize that in our own lives, even if we're not a public figure. So I hope you really enjoy today. Again, this is an extra special one to me, very eye-opening and um, just, yeah, riveting, riveting to say the least. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm really excited to be having you on because we've known each other since, let's see. Oh my gosh. How long? Well, it has. I, so I'm 30. Oh my gosh, I feel so old. I've I've known you your entire life. I've known you my full life that I remember. So like, yes. like I remember like, your being born. So like I like. So I know I've known you your entire life. <laughs> I was going through old pictures um, from like family photo albums, and I saw a picture of you. And me and my my sister Christina, who's your age, obviously, just for people listening. But there's a picture of all of us in a bathtub, and we've got yep. like all our toys, like the whole thing. But 
Oh my gosh. I saw, I found a picture, I think from one of Christina's birthday parties, a few, like when she was younger and it was at, um, I don't remember what it was called at the time, but it became funky dunks at one time. It was something else. Like there's, there's me and Christina with pizza, like sitting there. So yeah, it's hilarious. I love it. Love Um, it. Yeah. So it's so funny though, because ever since, I mean, obviously like growing up together, but then you know, going to the same high school and like the schools and like this journalism path, which I did once upon a time. Um, but it is, it is so funny how we've kind of um, paralleled in, in our early life and getting to see each other kind of grow and become who we are today has been really cool. Um, and, you know, the topic today of resilience, it's so funny, like resilience is such a um, you know, you can't really say that word without thinking immediately of like, what's made me resi- a person resilient. And that's really based on their experiences and the longevity of one throughout their experiences and their, their ability to be, to sustain themselves and to keep going. Um, and so it's been cool to watch you in that. And I think the most obvious and the, the biggest, um, really example of your resilience was when you literally died and back to life. <laughs> so literally. <laughs> literally. So um, I would love if you could share a little bit about that experience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was a senior in high school at the time and I was very obsessed with running. Like I would wake up before school and I would run and then I would go to school and then I would run again. And, um, and it was becoming this like horrible cycle. Like I would, I would think, I thought I was doing myself good by, you know, beating my time from the previous day, but I guess obviously more damage was being done than that. And, um, I knew that I had to make changes when it came to that obsession with running, but I didn't know how to make those changes. And, um, fate took matters into its own hands. I guess you could say, um, I remember it was September 8th, um, 2008, and I woke up and went on my crazy girl run before school. And then I went to school again, or went to school and then ran again. And then I visited my grandma at her nursing home afterwards. And I remember at the nursing home, I started to feel this intense burning sensation in my abdomen. And it was a pain so severe that I remember I had to be in the fetal position on the floor, Um, I wouldn't wish even the world's most awful leaders to feel this pain because it was so horrible. And um, so, you know, the pain continued for a few hours. And I remember that night I was looking out my bedroom window and I looked at the moon and I even thought, man, like, just let me die right now because it hurt that bad. And um, I guess I got up to go to the bathroom and my dad heard me pass out because I, and cause I hit the vanity on the way down and he heard me and saw me laying on the floor and felt my pulse. And it was 167 beats per minute. And that's like wildly quick, especially for a resting heart rate. So he called 911 and, um, an ambulance came and rushed me to the hospital And I remember getting there and my mom was waiting for me. And I was confused because my mom and my dad are divorced. And I was like, mom, what are you doing here? And, um, and she was just like, I heard you were so sick. Like, so I came to meet you here. And I'm like, well, I still have to go to the bathroom. So help me go to the bathroom. And, um, so she helped me go to the bathroom. And it was when I was in there that I actually died. 
in, in the bathroom and she kept screaming, I think she's dead. I think she's dead. And a nurse at that time came in with a urine cup and said, we're going to need a urine sample. But and my mom was holding me um, to get into the bathroom. So she wasn't able to lock the door, which turned out to be a great blessing because the nurse was able to come in. And um, so they called a double code and they rushed a stretcher in and they took me off on the stretcher. And um, the doctors and nurses were rushing to bring me back. Obviously they were able to, um, but during that time I actually had a death experience and oh. I, I know it's crazy. I'll tell, I'll tell it like people can believe or not. It doesn't matter, but it's part of my story. So, um, so I was walking down the beach and there was a figure next to me dressed in all white. And I think it was Jesus. And we weren't talking, we were just walking. And I remember thinking it was the most peaceful walk that I've ever been on in my life. And I just felt so at ease and so content. And as if, you know, all my worries were gone and we just kept walking together. And there was this big bright light that we were walking towards on the beach. And so we just kept walking towards it. And then once we got to the end, there was a gateway and my great aunt Fedora was back in the gateway and she had her arms outstretched and she said, come to me, baby. And I remember thinking, I want to go so bad. So, um, cause she was my favorite person. And so I started to push the gateway open and step inside. And then the figure next to me said, stop, it's not your time. And I woke up and there were doctors and nurses surrounding me. And I remember looking at the back of the room and my mom, my dad, and my stepdad were standing there crying. And I was thinking in my head, like, why are they crying? What's, what's going on? I didn't realize like how, how like awful this situation was. And I remember looking to the doctor that was to my right. And I thought, and I, and I asked him, I was like, am I going to be okay? And he goes, we're just going to do the best that we can. And when he said that, I was thinking, oh my gosh, like my future is not looking that great. Like if, if, if I even have a future, you know, then in Hollywood, they say your life flashes before your eyes and, but it, it, your life doesn't flash before your eyes. What happens is you think of the things that you wish you could have done and the things that you still have to do. And um, like, I remember thinking of my mom and how I would leave her behind because I'm an only child. And I, like, she's my favorite. She, aside from my great aunt Fedora, my mom is my favorite person in the entire world. Like, um, and I just remember thinking how sad she would be if, if I were to not make it through this. And then I remember thinking how I've never gone skydiving and how I never would go skydiving, like such a stupid thing to think of, but <laughs> Hey, that's what I thought of. And then I remember um, thinking of how I wanted to be in the news business and I never get to experience that. And I thought of how I would never walk down the aisle and get married and all of these things that I like just kept pouring in my head, like, man, I'm never going to be able to do this. I won't be able to do this and that, whatever. And I made a vow to myself that if I'm am able to make it through whatever it is that's happening, I am going to make sure that anything that I want to do is going to get done. And, um, obviously I had a lot of healing to do on until that point. So what, what it turned out was happening, the doctors had to, they reeled me back and did an emergency surgery. And it turned out my intestines were twisting the entire time. And, um, so they got 
they cut off circulation and I actually died from sepsis. And so they had to cut out 15 feet of my small intestines. And most people have about 20 feet, 20 to 25 feet. They had to take out 15 feet of mine. So I had, I have about five feet remaining. And um, the, the amount that they took out were so dead that they actually crumbled in, in their hands when they took it out. Um, and they weren't sure if the remaining intestines in there were going to heal. So they had to leave my stomach open for a, overnight. I, it was either, I can't remember if it was 24 or 48 hours, but they had to leave my stomach open for either a day or two uh, to look in and see if signs of healing of my intestines. And thankfully they were healing. So they were able to close my stomach up, but not without an ostomy bag. So I was given an ostomy bag. Um, I couldn't eat or drink anything for about three months. So I had IV nutrition, which they put a port in my chest to get that. Um, and yeah, they, they weren't sure if I would ever get the ostomy bag reversal. They thought I might have to have it forever. But um, what my mom and I did was she would hold a pendulum over my stomach every night and for at least 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And we would just pray over my stomach and visualize my intestines healing. And we would visualize myself on the beach without an ostomy bag, wearing a bikini. And we would visualize full health, full wellness. And um, we did it every single night. And we believed it as if it were real. And um, the next thing you know, I was doing a colonoscopy to get to see the state of my intestines and they had healed. And so I was able to get the ostomy bag takedown. And I am a firm believer that it was that visualization and the manifestation that um, is what helped my intestines heal. Mm. And so that is a, that's a big part of my life still, um, visualizing and manifesting and affirmations. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, since then it's been you know, there've been ups and downs in my life. I've had emergency surgery since then because of adhesions, which are scar tissue. Um, and that's unfortunately probably going to be an issue the rest of my life. And, um, like surgeries every 10 to 15 years or so. Um, but yeah, uh, here I am, I'm alive. And so I'll, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. I'm alive and I'm able to do what I want to be doing. And, um, yeah. That is one of the most incredible stories. And I think I had chills the entire time, like full body chills. Yes. And there's so much because I obviously know your story. Like I was, you know, in high school too, when it was happening. Yes. Um, and, you know, I remember my mom, even, you know, at that point she was living in Florida, but her having such a close relationship with your mom back in the day, I remember this being like a big conversation even at, um, yeah. between her and I. So it's so funny though, because hearing it from you today is like, I'm hearing this, you know, I, I didn't know about the visualization that you and your mom would practice. And I didn't know about the near death experience in that. And it's so just in this moment, just acknowledging the serendipity because I have like dove very much into those things in my, my own world and in my own health, um, yeah. as it relates to my own health experience I had, um, a few years ago, but what I'm hearing is that your soul is so resilient and that, you know, I think in my mind, we kind of associate resilience as being this like heavy topic. Like it's all about like that grind and grit. Um, and not that it doesn't have that, but you also 
a lot of your resilience was in this belief and this kind of like greater knowing this like wisdom of like, yeah, if I believe and I am committed to this, we can kind of get through it. Yeah. Um, so you've had to practice great resilience in that, and you're going to continue to with your health. It sounds like mm-hmm. what was, what was some of the things like that really kept you going during that healing period? Um, so actually make a wish was a big one, to be honest. I didn't know until my situation that make a wish is an organization that caters to people battling or to to children battling critical like critically ill children so you don't have to be dying basically like you can just be suffering from an illness that severely impacts your life and that was somebody on my floor I remember in the hospital told us about that and so we applied for make a wish and I was eligible to receive a wish and I ended up getting my wish granted which was to shadow Matt Lauer at the Today Show. Wait, wait, I remember this happening. Oh, yes. It was to shadow Matt Lauer at the Today Show. (laughs) And uh, but now we just say it was to shadow the Today Show, given (laughs) given what's happened with Matt. But um, so I went to the Today Show and shadowed the Today Show. It was amazing. It was an awesome experience. But I feel like knowing that I had that wish coming. Um, was a really big part of my healing because I knew I had to be good to be able to travel to go on this wish. So I kept pushing forward. And um, I also wanted to graduate. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to be with my friends who were, you know, living their senior year. And here I was in a hospital. So those were things that really kept me, you know, pushing forward and wanting to heal. And, you know, I, after I died, um, I had obviously told myself, I'm going to achieve all of these goals and these dreams and um, make sure all of those happen. And that was also a catalyst, knowing that I have all these things that I want to accomplish in life. And um, I was so close to losing my life. And so it can be taken from you at any moment. And so I was like, all right, just got to keep going to get to make these things happen. And um So I think those were some of the biggest things. And then also I kept in mind my family too. Like I'm like I mentioned, I'm an only child. And I think, you know, when you're going through a horrible illness, you're oftentimes just focused on the healing. You're like, okay, I'm like, you're in tunnel vision. You just want to heal. You want to get better. Meanwhile, your entire family is seeing you going through these horrible struggles And it takes a toll on them emotionally. And I think sometimes actually like it's harder on the family members than it is on the person actually going through the illness. Cause I mean, obviously physical and mental stuff, you know, I was in a deep dark tunnel at at myself during the time, but I think just being um, helpless as a family member can be just as hard, um, if not harder than, you know, if you're dealing with someone in your family who's ill. So those are the things that really kept me going. And um, yeah, just knowing that, you know, I was, I was brought back. I am one of the rare few that actually die and come back to life. So there has to be a reason to be brought back. So, um, so I wanted to keep going and figure out what that reason is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm hearing that some of the biggest things were like, you have this connection to your vision and your life's vision and this purpose. 
And that that is so key when going through these incredibly challenging times um, where you're tested, you know, in every way. And then there's also this component of support and how key and critical that is. And, you know, even when I work with some of my coaching clients, it's like when we're feeling like, okay, I'm at the end of the road, I want to give up. I'm done with this thing. It's like, okay, we need to get reconnected and reacquainted with our vision and really be in the feeling of that. And not just the knowing of like, okay, this is what I want to do, but like, what does it feel like to be in that space? And that's, you know, a lot of that manifestation that you were talking about, but also the acknowledgement of, okay, I need the support of other people around me to really get there. Um, And, you know, one of the other parts too, is that this near-death experience of knowing like, I almost went to that other side and your soul chose yeah. to stay. And that does mean something. So um, yeah, I'm just curious about, first of all, I just love that stuff in general. Like I've watched all the documentaries, like I'm, I'm big on like Joe Dispenza stuff. So even yeah. um, the, the way that you and your mom, your visualization practice is so, so cool to me because it's such a real life example of how mm-hmm. with, like consistent effort and, firm belief, you can really make that sort of change. Um, but I am curious about that, particularly like that near death experience, the, um, like on the other side, so to speak, like how you carry that with you today, like, how does it show up now? Or is it something you think about all the time? Is it just kind of like, a yeah, I, you know, I don't think about it all the time actually. Um, but I do like, you know, if when, when people are talking about their fear of dying and stuff, I always, you know, it it flashes back at me and and in my head, I think, man, well, I'm not afraid to die, you know, um, because I know like everything, like when you die, you don't know you're dead. If that makes sense, you just kind of go away. You just kind of go away. It's like kind of a dream state. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't always think about it. Like I'll, I've, sometimes I forget, and then somebody will randomly remind me and then I'll remember, but, um, but yeah, it's just interesting. I know it's made me, it's shifted my perspective on what's important and what's not, you know, some of the minute things that I used to worry about, um, definitely don't hold weight compared to what act like, you know, it's like your life, you know, but that's not to say that I obviously, don't revert here and there and, and like, you know, worry about petty, stupid things. Like every, no, nobody doesn't worry about that. So, but for the most part, I mean, it's my life perspective has absolutely shifted. I know how precious of a gift life is. I know, um, that there's a difference between just going through the motions in life and actually embracing life and feeling each moment. And I don't think that if I would have experienced death, I would know that. And um, I'm happy that it happened. I know people say, like people people ask me all the time, like, are you okay with like, now you have all these health issues. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world actually, because it gave me this new perspective um, that I probably wouldn't have if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have experienced it. So I'm grateful it happened. And what seemed like was, is probably the greatest curse has actually turned out to be one of my greatest blessings. And I'm grateful that it happened and I'm happy to help share wisdom to others to show, you know, this happened to me, don't let it happen to you and type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, when it comes to resilience, 
you know, like you were saying, like knowing, having that vision, that end game and working towards that and knowing what's at the finish line. But it's like, you have that of like, okay, in my lifetime, you know, and in my career, and these are the goals and things I want to accomplish. But it's like, you have this access to a greater perspective because of this near-death experience. That's literally like, oh no, this is like the end game behind the end game. Like you're yeah. like, that's what's waiting for me there. And you're like, my, my aunt will be there in these, you know, this loving energy and this peace. Yes. Um, and it gives so much more meaning to life. And I think it is really hard for obviously, you know, people like myself and just people who haven't had that type of experience to just be in that trust and, and surrender to keep going and knowing that at the end of it, there's this, you know, potentially beautiful experience. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about your podcast. Oh yeah. Um, Yes. So, okay. I explained a little bit of the introduction, but I'd love if you could share what kind of inspired you to, um, to start this. Yeah, so it's it was actually pretty serendipitous how this all came about. So my friend Nicole and I, well, she's my friend now, but I was at a wedding two years ago. Um, my friend Lauren Swickard and Josh Swickard, they got married here in Cincinnati. Um, they're actors out in LA. And um, shout out to them. Josh is a one of the stars on General Hospital. And Lauren is a screen, she, so recently, I don't know if last year you watched A California Christmas on Netflix, but she wrote it, she acted in it, she produced it, and Josh was her co-star, so she's basically a boss. Anyway, so um, I got invited to her wedding, she's one of my dearest friends, and um, at the table that I was sitting at was another girl, so we got the meal, and we both weren't eating the meal. And we looked at each other like, hmm, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And um, we got to talking and it turned out she has the same intestinal issues as I did, except she actually had a, she had a sequel volvulus, which is when your colon twists around each other. Mine was the small intestine, hers was her colon. And so like, what are the chances? The wedding here was here in Cincinnati. I at the, I at the time was living in Indianapolis and Nicole lives in Los Angeles. So, so many factors could have played into us not attending this wedding. Um, but we both did and we're seated right next to each other at the wedding. And we figured out we have the same illness, which is actually you're more likely to get right. You're more likely to get struck by lightning than to have your intestines or your colon twist around each other. Wow. And, um, (laughs) yes. So, We uh, stayed friends, obviously. We exchanged numbers, stayed friends. And then shortly after, she actually had had to have an emergency surgery and nobody else understood or could help her or relate to what she was going through except for me. So I became her support system during that. And um, we got through it and then fast forward. So I think this was like, it might've been, I think that was like October of 2019 that she had her stuff. And then fast forward to May of 2020. And that's when I had an emergency surgery and I turned to Nicole for help during that. And she helped me get through it and told me, you know, this is normal, what you're feeling. This is normal. I just went through it, blah, blah, blah. And we got to thinking, 
you know, we're lucky that we have each other, but there's probably a lot of other people dealing with chronic illness of some sort that don't have anybody to turn to because, you know, it, it can kind of be a drain if you keep reaching out to people who are healthy about your pain that you're going through. Like, like I know I, I always go to my mom and obviously she doesn't care, but like, it, it it can be a lot. Like it can be very taxing on the person on the other end as well, taking up your energy. And so uh, we, we decided we wanted to start a podcast called Girls With Guts Podcast and um, have people with chronic illness be our guests. And we also have medical experts come on the show. But um, so we've had people, you know, come on and talk about their battles with endometriosis and celiac disease, um, spinal injuries, um, diabetes. Then we've had doctors come on and talk about hernias, um, telogen effluvium, which is hair loss, which oftentimes happens when you're going through a traumatic situation. So it's very common when you go through a chronic illness or an emergency surgery, you have it. Um, so we, that, that's what we do. We, t- um, bring these guests on, they share their experiences, what helps them get through each day. Um, you know, because not every chronic illness is, you know, it's not cookie cutter. How one person deals with it is completely different than how another person would. So maybe if somebody listens and they have Crohn's disease, they can hear um, what this girl, Krista, who has an ostomy bag forever does to deal with her Crohn's and might find out new tips with that. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And um, we, we just started the podcast at the end of June. And um, yeah, I think we've done about 14 episodes now. So it's been awesome. This is yet another like incredible story and just so serendipitous and how yeah. you met. And I love how like the universe is bringing y'all together to get this message out. I think gut health is something that, I mean, I know you guys have some very specific cases, but in general, gut health is something that people are kind of awakening to. And it's so funny. I have had to do a lot of educating, even to like my mom about like, Hey, actually it turns out a lot of the stuff that I ate growing up kind of contributed to why I didn't feel good. A lot of the time, just in my own health. And even as an adult now, um, you know, I've realized that I have a lot of gut health issues. And, um, you know, my dad too, and just, sorry, dad, to put you on the spot out there, but, (laughs) um, but it's such a, you know, we're realizing that a lot of things in the ways that our parents grew up, they weren't really thinking about these things unless there was something, you know, severely wrong. Right. Um, so, so it's funny because I know when you, when I feel good, I'm so much more sustainable as a human being in my day to day. You know, I, I have more energy. I have um, more mental clarity. Um, there's just so much more of me available to give to myself when yes. I'm feeling good. Right. So I'd be curious from, you know, a health perspective, how you think based on some of the interviews and things that you've done, like, what do you think are some ways that, you know, just the average person could start to look at their health to see, okay, how can I make myself, how can I tap into my health and make some changes to be more resilient in whatever it is I'm going through or or working towards? Yeah, I think, you know, 
going off of gut health, there is so much um, the brain gut connection. It is so strong. And so let's, so we'll start with the gut health stuff. If you notice that you're going through a bunch of um, pain or you're bloating or, you know, you're not regular or whatever, um, I would suggest maybe starting a food log. That is the number one way that you can start um, getting that, your gut health in check is by starting a food log and writing down what you're eating, every single thing and how you feel an hour or so afterwards. Like if you feel tired, if you feel like sick, if you have some stomach cramps, that's obviously not something that agrees with you. And, um, so I think that could be like the, the first step, but in general, I think, um, you know, I think meditation and exercises are big things. So obviously get your body moving ideally once per day, but, or like at least four, four or five times a week. But, um, like that's a big one, especially for your physical health, which will then in turn, um, keep your mental health up, all of the endorphins release, make you happy. Um, and then meditation is huge. And, um, I meditate at least once per day for 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes out of your day. It really doesn't take a lot. And um, what I like to do is I take a, a strand of mala beads, which are 108 beads. It's very similar to a rosary in the Catholic church, but these are more like spiritual beads, I guess you could say. And I do what's called mantra meditation. And so I just repeat a mantra on every single bead as I go through and then just sit with it. And um, I think those two are really things that have helped me get in tune with my body. Um, cause I know stress also affects your gut and with being, you know, doing my job at the news station. I'm also, I don't think I mentioned this. I'm on the board of advisors for make a wish. And I'm also on the emerging leaders board for make a wish. And then I'm also the liaison between the board of advisors and the emerging leaders board for make a wish. <laughs> and then I do my... <laughs> And then I do my podcast and then I also do speaking gigs and hosting events. So there's a lot um, that I do. And I actually thrive off of having things to do, to be completely honest. But, um, you know, if you do get stressed, like your gut, my gut at least takes the brunt of it. And I think a lot of people's do as well. And so learning to meditate and, you know, just keep yourself grounded has really been a game changer in keeping myself calm and keeping, you know, the, oh, the upset stomach away type of thing. And so I, I think those are some of the key things that people could start with. So, you know, like the, if you have gut issues, do the food log, have any issues, exercise, Mm. meditate there you go yeah no and I love that too because it's it's two very tangible things but you're really bringing together like this western eastern mentality mm -hmm. which I'm a big believer of in health like with my own health experience very long story short and I've mentioned it on a previous podcast so I'll give the spark notes but essentially um you know, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia after having chronic pain in my thighs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was at the time training for marathons and I thought it was related to that. And I did everything under the sun, PT, MRIs, saw all the different types of doctors. No one could diagnose me until finally a neurologist said, you have fibromyalgia. And in my body, it just didn't resonate. 
Yeah. Um, it really just didn't. And he's just like, you're going to be in pain the rest of your life and you'll go through ups and downs. And I've met other people who have been diagnosed and they're like, yeah, I can't get out of bed for weeks at a time sometimes because I'm so, you know, inebriated with pain. And so, you know, for me, I actually found like, yes, I did the very tangible things that I, I could to try and um, mitigate that, that pain, um, yeah. taking different types of supplements, um, doing, you know, the exercise that I could do. I mean, I would do hot yoga daily and yeah. that was like, that was everything, but it really actually came down to this, uh, meditation practice that I started doing where I felt, I mean, and I mean, I had chronic pain for two to three years and it was like miraculous healing in a week. Yep. Um, and it was just shocking. It was honestly, I was like, wait, yeah. Hold on. And, but one of the things too, within that was I made a giant change. I think I shifted my life within a month. Pretty much everything was different. I got out of a relationship. I moved cities. I changed jobs. Like it sounds like I yeah. got a new identity, but it really wasn't, it wasn't necessarily. Um, I definitely know that feeling. Trust yes. me. Yes. So no, but it's so funny though, how your body responds to like, it's yeah. telling like, for me, I look back and in hindsight, I'm like, wow, my body was just telling me Jenna, you're so out of alignment and it's yeah. kind of like, okay, I need to like be the chiropractor of my own life and like make an adjustment here. Yeah. And then I felt back in alignment. Like I was like, oh, that tension is gone. Like I'm not, you know, my stomach's not upset as much, still a little bit, but, yeah. but as much. And so I love that you're bringing together these, these different aspects and, you know, in terms of like resilience, again, it's, there's so much more of me to give and yeah. I'm hearing you say that a lot too within this. And, and I think also the, um, one of the things about this, you know, resilience is it's a very like masculine energy, mm -hmm. um, you know, and if we think about like the feminine and masculine energies balancing, we all have both of those inside of us. The masculine is like, go, go, go accomplish, create and achieve yeah. I feel like you and I both have that, but the feminine is like, the slow down, the grace, the flow, the allowance yes. to receive. And, you know, with, I used to think that resilience, like I'm resilient, that's like a badge of, you know, a badge of honor to wear. Um, but I was like, I would be so unhappy and stressed within that resilience. Yes. And it's like, once I started practicing things, like you're saying, like this meditation and um, some of these more uh, lighter and less, quote unquote, tangible practices yes. actually felt like ease in that resilience. Um, so I'm curious, like how you've seen that balance within your own um, steps forward through everything you've come up against. Yeah. So I, you know, when I feel like if, if I don't feel like doing something, because as you mentioned, you know, we are very much on the go, 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 go. But I just need to remind myself oftentimes that people aren't going to get mad if you say no. Like if someone asks you to do something that you're just really not feeling, you feel like you don't really have the bandwidth to do it. You've been burning the candle at both ends and you just don't want to exert any more energy, just say no and allow yourself that night of relaxation. You don't always have to have something on your schedule to be doing because honestly, having nothing on your schedule is something like you should embrace that and embrace relaxation and recharging. Um, Cause I feel like oftentimes we give, 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 give so much of ourselves that often that there's not much left. And 
I always like to use this example of like, you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you have given so much of yourself that there's nothing left, you're not going to be able to give to others and be your best self and give your best self and do your best job. So it's actually part of our duties to realize, hey, I need to reel it back in. I need to relax and recharge and reset myself in order to stay at the top of my game and give back to give more to others. So um, I think that's really important. And I think growing up, I was very much of a yes girl. Like if somebody said, can you do this? Yes. Some yes, 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 yes. So like, like blah, 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 until, until you're running yourself thin. And then um, I would say in the last year or two, I've realized no power of no. Um, it's amazing. And I highly suggest other people do it. <laughs> I couldn't agree with that more. I've, I heard a, a phrase that was like, if, if I'm not a full body, yes, I'm a no. Mm-hmm. And I also used to be the same way. Yes to everything. You know, I'm going to be okay. a yes to everything. And that had some, there was a time and place for that. But I think we've realized that we get to monitor, especially as we get older and we tend to have more things added to our plates, whether it's yeah external hobbies or businesses or kids or whatever the thing is for you like we do get to be really intentional and meaningful with our time yeah Um, and sometimes like you said like that's scheduling nothing like no thing nothing yeah exactly (laughs) and and that's actually like a really productive thing too because we live in a society where value is placed on achievements Mm -hmm. um and that's a really so it's very uh, you know it's it's like doing the opposite of what we've been told and how we place value, but still trying to find value within ourselves um, yes. when we're not doing anything or creating something. Um, yeah. So, and I think it's important to realize, like, obviously achievements are wonderful, but ultimately you are not your achievements. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You are a soul living life, achieving things, but you are not your achievements. Mm-hmm. I have chills because I also, it, it takes me back to when you just had shared about your near-death experience and that it wasn't your life that flashed before your eyes. Mm-hmm. It was also, it was really about like the experiences you had yet to have. And, you know, maybe someone would consider skydiving an achievement because it's maybe coming <laughs> or something, but really it's about that experience of like, wow, I'm, I'm living life to the fullest. And it, and to me, it's like, being very present to what you're doing and what's more present to your awareness than falling out of the sky from a plane. And I could say that Mm because I've done it and it was very, like amazing, right? I I wasn't daydreaming or like, (laughs) I was definitely highly present to that situation. Why don't we go skydiving together? We should. And you can watch me cry on the flight up because it's horrifying, but then it's amazing. The flight up is the scary part. I remember like, I'm like, oh my God, why am I doing this? Like, this is scary. This plane is going to break. Like, I know. And then it's, it's just, it's like that anxiety buildup. And then you do the thing and it's like, oh, wait, I'm curious. So how did you feel like once you, once you fell out and like the ride down? I felt amazing. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. I was, I was really nervous that you would have that feeling in your stomach that like, you know, when you're on a roller coaster, that sick feeling in your stomach, I was so nervous that that's what, what I would feel Mm -hmm. the whole way down, but you don't feel that at all. Yeah. I I know. I thought the same thing. I was like, after the free fall period where you're kind of like coasting down, I was like, this is so 
oddly, it's so peaceful. Yeah, so it was amazing. Quiet, and you're as, just like, as I was going down though, I, I will say this. So I'm, I did a tandem dive. I don't know yeah, if you did same. that. So the tandem for the first time and the guy behind me goes, see that, see that white parachute down there. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, that guy's parachute. Uh, that's his reserve parachute because his <gasps> first one didn't come out. And I was like, Stop. why are you telling me this? Like what? Who's yeah. this tandem like guy? Oh what the heck? Oh my God. <laughs> So, so yeah, but it, it was a seasoned skydiver that it happened to. Uh, so he knew what to do, but like his real one didn't work. So he had to use his reserve. How freaking scary. Why tell you that too? Like why? I was like, why are you telling me this on my first dive? Like, yeah. oh, my oh my gosh. God. But it yeah. is such a cool, but it is like the coolest experience. And sure. you're like fully in it. And to me, it was like my brain actually couldn't process it, that it was happening. Like, yeah. I know I'm falling out of the plane, but for some reason I mm-hmm. just can't, you know, I don't, I don't understand what's happening right now. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Um, so I do want to go back to, I, I had like a layer of this topic on resilience that we haven't touched too much on. We've talked about how support other people being in relationship to, you know, this topic in, in forms of support. But I think a lot of times what can be a challenge to us keeping on going when times are tough is sometimes other people yeah. um, and our reactions to them or their projections onto us or those sorts of things. So, you know, I'd love to explore a little bit how, you know, when you've had that kind of opposition from other people, when it's outside of yourself, really, how have you managed to continue on? Yeah, um, so I get that a lot, actually. Like random people who think they can message me mean things like for emails or on Instagram and stuff. Um, honestly, I just ignore it. I, I read them and give a little giggle and just I'm like, okay, they must be having a really bad day to, to take the time out to try to put down somebody that they don't even know. Mm-hmm. And every now and then I will respond and try to kind of teach someone a lesson. <laughs> and, like, I'm gonna do it, and I do it in a nice way. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm not just saying that I'll do it in a nice way. Like I, I just a couple weeks ago, actually somebody messaged me something weird and um, like something really rude. And I was like, what makes you think that you can message me that like, does this make you feel good to try to bring someone else down that you don't even know? And, um, and he was like, I didn't realize it. I guess I could work on, I'm like, I just want to teach you a lesson. Like, I don't know, like, you don't know me. So why would you even say this mean thing? Obviously you're having a really bad day or you're not a very nice person and I wish you the best. And then the guy actually messaged me a couple of days later, again and was like you know I've been thinking of what you told me and I think I need to make some changes and I appreciate you calling me out for saying what I said and I'm sorry if what I was saying offended you and um so I thought that was kind of big of that person to do that I'm like good for you like I'm yeah yeah. so I mean so, so you just got to remember, like oftentimes people will say things just to say them and they don't really mean them. And, um, so that's kind of what I do, I guess. That's a really good example though, because it is kind of like, that's a perfect example of showing how a lot of times people's opposition is really just 
a mirror or a projection of what's going on yeah and what's not working within them yeah and you know like like I said I don't normally respond to them but something just told me just to say something back and you know and I'm glad I did because it you know as you said it does showcase that oftentimes when people say these things it's really not you it's just them Mm -hmm. going through something so yeah were you always able to just like compartmentalize that and not have emotion towards it or did it take some time Oh, it definitely took some time. Like my first, (laughs) my first job in Rochester, Minnesota, I would get emails and stuff and people would like, people would say some mean things and I would get really upset about them. And I wouldn't respond again. I like, I've never been one to really like respond to everything, but I would like screenshot it and send it to my mom and show her and like, look what this person said. And like, you know, feel really down about it for a while. But then I just real, then I just started to realize yeah, it is what it is. Like people can have their own opinions and, but, and for every one person that emails you something mean, there are a hundred others who actually really love you because the, you know, I mean, there are random people that will send like, you're doing a great job. Like you're just wonderful. But if you think about it, when you go to a hotel or a restaurant that you that you love, you often don't leave a review. It's when you have a horrible experience that you review it. So like more people, like the people that don't like you are the ones that are gonna reach out. So that's the way I look at it. Mm. So there are tons more that do like me, right? Um, as opposed to the random few that just wanna be meanies. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, but that, that is really true. It's almost like, yeah. I think as humans, it's like we're actually biologically programmed to focus on negative things typically because it's like causes pain and we want to be and pain is really unsafe so sometimes even though there are like a hundred comments that are nice let's say you focus on the one that was like not so nice and I think everyone can relate to that and also it's like you know in terms of resilience it's like we think about we tend to a lot of times especially if you're kind of the high achieving type we can be a little bit overly self-critical and we'll look back and we're like, oh, well, I failed at that or I wasn't successful. And we don't look at all the things that we've done and created to be exactly where we are today. It's like, yeah. And that's so key what I'm hearing to being able to keep going and to be really in lockstep with moving towards like one's vision and purpose is like, you have to really focus on the positive. You have to have that greater perspective. You have to, you know, have a safe bubble from other people's opinions and yeah and also like this balance too of this kind of um ta- taking tangible things as well as um a mindset around it too so mm-hmm. this is so much gold that you've shared and so much wisdom from someone who's literally seen the other side <laughs> yes yeah, you have and i want to know more about that on a separate occasion um and diving into that but yes. this has been this has been really really helpful and also just really inspiring to see that you've had so many different layers of resilience that you've exhibited where most people I feel like only have one of these situations happen and you're like oh no I have done this in my career with you know public kind of opinion I've done this in my personal life with my health in- yeah overall just being a human being and all the things that we all come up against and and get to keep moving forward through. So I just am so grateful for you sharing your story with us. And I'm so grateful for you having me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people follow and listen to your podcast, all the things? 
Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Elena Martella and our girls with guts podcast. Instagram is at girls with guts podcast. And, um, I'm also on, we also have a Twitter. We also have a Facebook and I also have a Twitter and Facebook as well. And they're at Elena Martella. So, um, you can just find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing everyone. Definitely go follow her, listen to their podcast, especially if you want more health related things on Mm -hmm. your gut. (laughs) Yeah. You again, Elena. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being a part of the council today. You can share this episode and tag me on Instagram at the DJ Genesis. That's the DJ, J-E-N-E-S-I-S. Or on Facebook at, at the council pod. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe. And if you'd like to share your takeaways or what you'd like to see, you can email us at hello at the council pod.com. See you next time.